Good day. This is Michael Wardy, Certified Financial Planner and Regional Director at Source HLV Tax. Thank you for listening to the only dedicated tax incentive podcast available in the world. The goal for these podcasts is to deliver information that could be useful and applicable to your business. We interview experts in their field to talk specifically about their specialty and give some thoughts, insight, stories, and when they can, advice on how to best approach a project. Today, we actually have asked Charles Duncan, one of our directors on the cost segregation team and one of our leaders on our cost segregation team to talk a little bit about a specific topic that's come up more and more recently um, related to cost segregation. And Charles, thank you. First of all, thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're very welcome, Michael. Um, and so the question that we're getting quite a few times from CPAs and even from some clients is related to cost segregation and do apartment buildings really make sense? Does it make sense to do a cost segregation or is there benefits and value behind doing a cost segregation for an apartment building? Can you share some insight and thoughts and your expertise behind that? Sure. Uh, there's a short answer and there's the long answer. Perfect. Uh, I like both. Uh, the short answer. The short answer is yes, it does. Uh, most building types make sense uh, for performing a cost segregation study if the taxpayer is going to hold on to the property for uh, for a number of years, uh, you know, ballpark at least seven, uh, although there's exceptions to that. Uh, and they need to be paying federal taxes so that they can take advantage of the tax deferral that's afforded by a cost segregation study. What we're talking about is the time value of money. And, uh, and most property types will make sense if the taxpayer has capitalized somewhere around a million dollars or more uh, for the, the property, whether it's uh, an acquisition of an existing building, such as uh, an existing apartment complex or new construction. Uh, when, when we talk about major innovations, it might make sense at 500,000. Uh, so, that's a general explanation of you know, what qualifies for cost seg. If we're talking about apartments specifically, what we're really referring to is residential rental property. That's the more technical definition, and that distinguishes itself from uh, regular commercial real estate, real estate. Both benefit from cost seg studies, but for those in the industry, we know that regular commercial real estate depreciates over 39 years, residential rental depreciates over 27 and a half years. And there's another, uh, a number of other uh, technical differences between the two. We won't go delving too deeply into that. When we talk about residential rental, there is, uh, there's a rule that most people don't think about. You know, honestly, most people identify residential rental you know, by the idea that they know it when they see it. If it looks like an apartment complex, then they, they treat it as residential rental. In reality, there's a, a, a specific test that 80% of the gross rental income from the property must be derived from housing on a non-transient basis. And this means typically apartment complexes and uh, nursing homes and, and things that are similar to that. Um, when we talk about either one, whether it's a nursing home or, or an apartment complex, there's really subsets of those that are worth paying attention to. 
And again, all of these benefit from a study, but they can benefit in somewhat different ways. So with apartment complexes, you know, you may have a, a tower, a single building that's multi-story, uh, has relatively few site improvements typically, and most of what we're going after is the personal property that's within that within that building. Uh, the other type of property that we typically see is the garden style uh, apartment complex. These have large courtyards, uh, usually a lot of surface parking, uh, landscaping, et cetera. And again, for top cost segregation, they're a very target rich environment. And then there's one that people don't often think about, and it's the mixed use property. And we see these more and more often in, uh, in urban settings where perhaps the ground floor is retail and the next few floors are residential rental. But whether or not we can make that determination that it's residential rental, again, falls back on that definition of the 80% rule. Does 80% of the gross rental income derive from the residential rental as opposed to the commercial? And uh, you know, if 25% of the uh, gross rental income is coming from the commercial side, then really that entire building is treated as 39-year property, and it can benefit from other uh, other nuances in the tax code that are specific to commercial real estate. Whereas if um, north of 80% of the rental income is, comes from the, the rental units, uh, the residential rental units, then that entire building has a 27 and a half year life. And, you know, it, and again, it has its own specific rules. Um, the, the tax law has been changing very rapidly, as most people know. Uh, we had the, the PATH Act, which came out in 2016, more recently, at the end of 2017, we had the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. And depending upon what point in time a, a rental property, excuse me, uh, an apartment complex or a nursing home or any other type of property is placed into service, the rules change somewhat uh, from year to year. And it can, be, it can be advantageous to use a caustic study to identify those changes, whether it's opportunities with bonus depreciation, in addition to just accelerating the depreciable life, or uh, you know, more recently we have an ex expansion of the opportunities uh, with Section 179 expensing, which now in limited ways apply to uh, residential rental, so apartment complexes. Uh, it, it becomes a very complex topic very quickly, but most cost tech professionals should be able to walk someone through that. Uh, what what becomes useful, though, is not being reactive, but being proactive and understanding the rules. And when I say that, what I'm referring to is it, if someone is developing a multi-building uh, mixed-use uh, site, for instance, if one understands the nuances of when is building become commercial real estate versus residential rental, then deliberate decisions might be made so that certain buildings take advantage of the commercial real estate rules, while other ones take advantage of the rules for residential rental. And it's always better to be able to make these decisions consciously and proactively rather than finding out after the fact that you, if you tweak things just a little bit differently, it would have made all the difference. So. There's a long comp that's the long complicated answer to to your question. I would say it was very thorough.
if and, <laughs> and very much appreciated. And I know um, within the audience, the, these questions come up. So having that information available is 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 great. So thank you, and thank you again for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you found this information valuable. Uh, and keep in mind, we have more episodes coming out throughout the weeks, months, and hopefully even years. So please subscribe. So as we release these different um, these different podcasts that you're notified and can listen to it. Thank you again.